the Askell Business Brunch. Hello and welcome to the Askell Business Brunch podcast. My name's Hayley Dunn and I'm Askell's Business Leadership Specialist. I'm Louise Hartswell. I'm Askell's Conditions of Employment Specialist. And we're absolutely delighted to be joined by another special guest on the podcast. And we're shortly going to be joined by Scott from Strengths to Talk, who's going to be sharing his experience through a movement and a group that has been set up to help uh, support with men's mental health. And we just want to caveat before we get started um, in, with the interview with Scott, just to say Scott and, and the, uh, his group of colleagues are not uh, professional psychologists or experts in mental health. They very much are coming from a place of sharing their experiences in the hope that will it will help others who are experiencing difficulties. So Scott, thank you so much for joining us. Would you mind just introducing yourself and providing a little bit of context for our listeners about your um, your role in uh, Strengths to Talk? Yeah, uh, certainly. Uh, so my name's Scott Sivier. I'm, my background uh, for many years is that I've been a business manager, business leader in education, academies, local authorities. Um, and I've experienced uh, quite a few mental health problems and challenges over the years uh, for about 12 years now. And um, about two years ago, I was sat talking to an ex-colleague um, that I'd met through education and business management about um, talking about my story, where I'd become a little bit more confident about uh, some of the challenges and the problems I've gone through over the last 11, 12 years. And she felt it was um, a good time maybe to talk about my story and share, um, especially from the, um, the men's side of obviously the stigma attached to mental health and men openly talking and freely about the, the struggles and challenges they faced. So um we came up with the idea of uh, Strength to Talk. Um, and I think it's been going now about two and a half, three years. And uh, obviously it is evolved and uh, alongside it has come the, uh, the we produced the book of uh, Strength to Talk, which is um, about men trying to share and show that they've experienced cha um, challenges, problems, uh, struggled to talk about it, but obviously come out the other side. And hopefully we're just trying to get the message across to other men. There are loads of us all struggling with the same problems. And when it is out in the open and you do get that support network, whether it's close family, friends, colleagues, it does help. It does take away the pain. Um, what is it they say? A problem shared. And I think I've, I've read the book myself and I think it's absolutely fantastic. And I think one of my key takeaways from the book, because there's a number of stories that, that are shared within the book, is that everybody's experience is slightly different and, and there's no sort of one size fits all. There's no one answer that, that will um, support or, or fix problems. Do you mind telling us about some of the experiences? I mean, I mean, some of them are quite harrowing, quite difficult to read. And, and I've got a huge amount of admiration for your co-authors in being so brave to share their stories. But I think it's important for people to know who may go and read the book. It does really deal with some, some um, challenging subjects. Would, would you mind talking a little bit about that? Yeah, no, certainly, Hayley. It's, um, I'm really, to be honest, I'm, it's probably uh, my biggest ever achievement, if I'm honest. Um, the book is it surpassed what I wanted it to actually achieve. Um, just one day I was thinking there's nothing really out there for men 
um, to relate to in terms of like a book. Um, and what I did want is actually real life stories about men that had faced problems and challenges. And as you say, uh, we've got a, a real variety, a wide range of people that, you know, young men that have um, experienced pressures and challenges in family life with being gay and coming out and then how they were perceived and the mental health issues and pressures that that caused um, and the illness that it brought on. Uh, you've got uh, ex-services, Navy and Army gentlemen that have been in the services and come back from, you know, serving our country and the experiences and some of the things that they've experienced or witnessed, um, you know, when we're talking about stuff that's going on, you know, in the Ukraine at the moment, those guys have, have witnessed that firsthand and come back with the trauma and the, the PT, PTSD from that. Um, and you've just got day-to-day -day life um, experiences, um, which I think my story is a little bit about in terms of, I, I wouldn't say that I had any more challenging upbringing than a lot of people, day-to-day um, -day normal people. But I think a culmination of things for me brought on mental health issues. So we've got a real wide range of stories of experiences there is a common theme in there though about strength to talk men being able to openly talk and um i don't want this comment to come across as sexist at all but we men we don't talk we don't like meet with our friends like uh ladies do ladies go and meet for a coffee or a drink and they openly chat and um we don't do we men don't and um it's still that stigma and it's still that challenge and hopefully the book does show look there is loads of experiences um there's loads of different backgrounds of men but the common theme is you have got you have got to talk about the issues and and the troubles you face and go and see someone uh, that that's the other message is go and see your gp they are there to help that's really interesting, Scott. Um, you mentioned there uh, the stigmas. Can you tell us what you think some of those stigmas, stigmas are that men face uh, in addressing their mental health? I think, again, um, Louise, it just goes back to um, the men, male, um, how we're perceived as we've got to be strong, we've got to be there for our families, we've got to be the ones to you know, go out, earn a living, which, and come home and look after your family, which we're not in that world anymore. We're not in that generation, are we, at all? Um, but I think naturally, genetically, men are made up of, I can't show this as a form of weakness. That was, that was definitely for me, going back to when I had my first breakdown, um, I didn't, I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't, I didn't want my wife, I didn't want my three kids to know that I was struggling. Um, I didn't want to show it as a sign of weakness. I didn't want, I, you know, I wanted, I wanted them to perceive me as dad. Um, and if I would, if I would have openly talked then, I would have just seen it as a flaw in myself and probably, I don't know, probably made myself more real, but 
dare I say it, I probably made myself more ill thinking about how people are going to perceive me, like how my dad's going to perceive me, how my close friends are going to perceive me. Um, like, what do you mean you've got mental health issues? How? Why? Um, and maybe more questions than actually answers. Um, and I just saw that as too much of a pressure and a strain. Um, but the one thing is, when it is out in the open, it, it you know, uh, it's like a whole world weight has been lifted off your shoulder, the shoulders. And, you know, if someone would have said that I would be sat down with Louise and Haley from an organisation like Askell three or four years ago, talking openly about the problems I've been through, no way. No way. Or that I'd been involved in co-authoring a book, no way. So, because you are, you are, you're giving everything to everyone else. There's, you're not hiding anything. This is me. This is me. This is what I've been through. These are my demons, but I'm sharing it. I think it's incredibly brave. Um, could you tell us what you think some of the signs are of poor mental health that you or your co-authors uh, have experienced? Some of those things that people may, you know, recognise. Um, and again, what I don't want to do is speak on like behalf of my co-authors. Um, but when we have talked together or when we were doing um, like the weekly, um, we were doing uh, the weekly chats, community chats, we were getting people in from America and um, which was really interesting, obviously a different time zone than that, but there was always common themes that I think me and if the co-authors were here today, they would definitely say, um, leading up to the first time I had a breakdown, I knew in myself, my body wasn't right. It's like an out of body experience. Um, it's the only way to explain it really, but leading up to the first breakdown, which was actually on Christmas day, um, about 12 years ago, um, leading up to that, I felt, I felt low, I felt sad. Um, but I'd not actually cried. Um, I felt worried about a lot of things. Um, hands and feet constantly sweating at night. Um, just led in bed and constantly sweating. Um, feeling nervous or feeling like something was going to happen. Um, but obviously nothing did happen. And then I think obviously it all culminated on Christmas day, that Christmas day morning where um, I think my heart was racing at about 200 beats per minute at one stage. And I thought, I genuinely did think I was going to die. I thought I was having a heart attack. I thought I was going to die. And um, yeah, the, the physical side, just like an outer body experience, feeling really nervous, not feeling assured, like even like walking, feeling a little bit, um unsteady on my feet um i can remember like doing management walks like uh, as part of the leadership team and kind of think oh my god i've got to go and walk around classrooms now and kind of i always read in the book i always reflect as jekyll and hyde because i definitely i used to get up every morning have a shower shave put my suit on and look ready for business look ready for work and no one would know how i was feeling but inside really nervous, really, really sceptical about doing anything, even talking. And I would say 
slurring of words as well. Like sometimes I'd go to say something and it was obvious my mouth and my tongue wasn't going to operate in the same way. And I did actually miss words, but I managed to cover it up. I managed to take a step back from the conversation. So that was obviously my body just telling me I'm not operating properly. There's something wrong. You've got to do something. Um, dare I say it, I didn't. I, I probably waited too long. I, I should have gone and seek see some um, professional advice um, and opened up more to Helen, my wife, and, and people around me. That's my one regret. I think one of the other um, one of the other symptoms that I've seen you that you've recently tweeted about was um, you've talked a lot about brain fog and and that being potentially a sign of uh, poor mental health. If what from from your point of view, your experience, what does that? I think you've talked about it a little bit already, but what does that feel like? What does what are the symptoms that you see when that's when um, you get that brain fog? What I would say is um, I was thinking about this this morning as well. Um, it's not as bad now as what it was maybe three to five years ago or when I first, some of the experiences I just shared there with Louise and yourself, Hayley, about um, not feeling assured in myself or confident in my body or my body actions. Um, yeah, I, I definitely agree with brain fog um, and I do suffer with it now, but nowhere near like I used to because of the things I put in place to manage it. Um, again, it's like an out-of-body experience. Cloudiness of the brain, um, not thinking straight. Um, it's like you've got a 10-ton weight on your brain. It, it Everything feels really heavy. The other way to explain it is, I always perceive my mental health issues or if I'm struggling in the back of my mind, I can always visualize, visualize this sounds really strange, uh, a massive hand with a black, big black glove. You know, like the big gloves that go like down to your elbow and it's just crushing the back of my brain, the back of my skull. And um, I know that sounds quite severe, but that's how it feels. And it just, I can't think straight. Um, and I've got to go out for a walk. I've got to walk. I've got to run. I've got to exercise. Got to hydrate. Got to take water on board. All the stuff that people say, this is what you should be doing, you've got to do. Um, that's, not, that's not to say it works for everyone. For me, there's a culmination of things that help me reduce that, that, that mindset. Um, and... For me, it's like meditation. Um, I use Headspace quite a lot. I've got into that recently. I use um, an acupuncture mat, a prana mat um, during my meditation. I exercise more or less every day now. Um, drink my 2.2 litres of water every day. I watch my diet. I get out in the sunshine. I'm definitely a vitamin D person. For me, there's not one thing. I've got to do all those things to stay on top of my mental health as well as take my medication. I'm still on medication. And um, there, when I first started out, there was a stigma to that. But um, I'd openly I'd, I would always go to the GP and say, when am I getting off these meds? When am I getting off these meds? Again, because of the male stigma, it's a sign of weakness that I'm on medication. But to me, it's something in my body 
a chemical that I need a top up. It's exactly if you if you've got a broken leg or if you've got something wrong with you or another pain in your body, you take medication. So if you've got something wrong here and you need a top up or you need some medication to help you through that, you take it. Um, I think I'll be on medication the rest of my life. But it's just part of me now. If that means I'm fit, healthy, I can go to work, I can earn my living, I come home and I'm I'm happy, then that works for me and it works for the people around me. It sounds incredibly crushing is the only word I can think to, 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 yeah. to say to it of what I'm feeling listening to you, to you talk, Scott. And it's just, it's so powerful listening to your, to your story and your experiences. And you shared some of the ways that you, you, balance um, your mental health now with some of the physical things that you do and you said that one of the things that you wish you'd done was to have told your wife Helen sooner and I'm just wondering if there's anybody listening at the moment who has, has is perhaps is feeling some of those experiences like like you've had or, or some of the other stories that are shared within Strength to Talk and they haven't made that first step what what advice would you give somebody who's feeling that way? I will pre-warn you as well now I'm getting a little bit emotional because you mentioned me too me too. Um, uh, uh, my, my wife's a senior leader in schools and um, it, life, life is tough. Life is tough. Um, just on a day-to-day basis, life is it's difficult. I don't think it's anywhere near, you know, the stresses and strains maybe our parents or our elders had. 30 40 years ago um that is my one regret i should have i should have spoken earlier to helen she she knew something was wrong with me (sighs) men need to talk and i think Um, that's so powerful i hope that anybody listening today just takes that one thing away yeah and that's what strength to talk is all about isn't it just having that first conversation um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to get upset. Please don't um, be. It's absolutely fine. That that's the one bit that still still gets me is um. I wish I would have spoken so much earlier because mental health is a selfish illness, and it's painful and it hurts and it's a struggle. It's a struggle daily. Just sometimes just to get up and face the challenges in front of you. Um, it's a selfish illness and it's selfish to the people that mean the most to you. And I do, that's my one regret. I should have spoken a lot earlier. I should have gone and see the the doctor, just male pride. That's all that stopped me. Male pride. I didn't, I didn't want people to think I was a failure or a letdown, especially I allude to in my book, my dad brought me up. um, And he was a man's man and he's a very proud man. He actually suffered mental health issues, but obviously back then it wasn't a thing. And um, I felt I was letting him down as much as Helen and the kids. But actually I was I was causing more pain and more hurt by not talking about it. So the one bit to take away from strength to talk or any man that is struggling, um, and trust me, I know what those struggles are like and some sometimes on a different level, like some of my co-authors, I think they would all say today, if we were here, go and speak to someone, anyone, 
but get some medical advice as well because yeah I've, I've put Helen and the girls through a lot more heartache and pain than what I should have and that's that's something I've got to live with but hopefully I'm making up for it now Thank you, Scott. I think that's just so, so powerful. And, and as Hayley said, you know, that's, I think we're, we're both sat here with the lumps in our throat as well at oh. that, but, you know, it's our heart, that's really, really heartfelt, but don't apologise at all. Um, it, it's, it's, it's just so impressive from our point of view, I think, that you're sat here and able to share that, you know, to try and help other people. So I, I think although you talk of it of being selfish, I think what you're doing is actually really selfless. You're doing something very helpful to others. And I think that's really admirable. You. Um, you talked earlier about the strategies that you use uh, with exercise and water and meditation. Um, I, I have to say, I exercise, I've got three Labradors and going out for a walk is my, is my you know, my time taking our dogs out and that club blows the cobwebs away. And whenever I've had a really stressful day or anything's going on, that's what I tend to do and just forget about everything. So I, I think it's like you said, it's about that individual individuality of what works for you um do you have any other strategies that maybe from your uh, co-authors are there any others that people have found useful for them i've you know there's if you're going to have a, like an arsenal of to- tools and weapons to to draw on um again it's difficult to speak from the co-authors and obviously we, we um we share we share ideas and that's what the book's about obviously the journey we've been on and some of the things we use but i'll be honest with you can one of the biggest things for me of therapy for me is is strength to talk on a daily basis of doing doing the tweets doing the blogs um raising awareness um writing the book was massive therapy for me um and i think there's something to be for other people to take on board sometimes and maybe it's those building blocks or stepping stones to where people need to be to share their story or to share their awareness or make sure that they're on the right path to get well is maybe write down to yourself how you're feeling um anything about what's going on in your mind put it onto paper because i actually I did use that as a form of therapy and it did work for me. It continues to work. I think using Twitter, Instagram, social media platforms, LinkedIn, and talking about some of these subjects. And even, you know, sometimes I do kind of feel a bit embarrassed by, oh, I've been out for a run today, but telling people the benefits it's had to me or just this weekend, I had a sad day. I had a sad couple of days. I felt low couldn't put my finger on why tried a couple of things didn't work went out for a run Sunday morning I think it was Sunday morning it was a lovely sunny morning I was out I was exercising came back in I felt so much better but me sharing that personal experience of I'm feeling okay and letting people know that's kind of me having the strength to talk and sharing it um so yeah in a roundabout way I, I see that as my therapy as well and i'm not saying to every man that is struggling or every woman or every human being that's struggling that they need to take to social media maybe they just need to write some things down about how they're feeling and maybe that's the first step of how they're feeling and if they're struggling to share that with a gp or friends 
you know, I think one of the examples in the book who remains anonymous, I think I've shared this with Hayley in the past, his first time that he shared about his mental health struggles to his family was the book. So he wrote his story and then he downloaded it and gave it to his wife to read. And she came back and she said, one of those stories was you, wasn't it? Do you think there's enough being done to increase awareness and to improve support for mental health? Um, mm-hmm. You know, and have you got any ideas on what needs to change around that? Government needs to get involved. I don't, I'm not a politician. I'm not here to um, talk about politics or funding. Um, and we all, you know, we all come from public service backgrounds, don't we here? And, you know, education, social care, services, police, NHS, we're all struggling with funding um, and cost of living and inflation. But there is nowhere near, you can't, you can't put a cost or a price on a person's life. And, and this is the uh, mental health is, is the biggest pandemic. You know, I know we've had COVID, but the mental health and mental illness is on a different level. If you look at some of the data, some of the stats and what um, colleagues and other people on social platforms tweet about what I tweet about men's mental health, especially, I think, you know, it, we, the stats, the percentages keep increasing. And I just don't think government are doing enough. I really don't. I, I think there's got to be bigger investment. And obviously, you know, dare I say it, men that are struggling, there is that first point of call, like with your GP, but, it, you know, they've suffered as well off the back of the pandemic. Um, and there's not that face to face that maybe people need. Um, and dare I say it, men, uh, National Health Service are struggling for appointments and but there are there are groups and there are things out there that you know are there to help and support and i think one of the biggest things is you know we obviously we're not therapists we're not psychologists but it does show the strength to talk there are people out there that have experienced it and sometimes actually going through mental health is maybe a better experience than the gp to a certain extent gps can help and they can listen and they can hopefully prescribe the right form of medication and drugs and therapy but if you need to talk to someone that's actually been through similar to what someone's experiencing it does show that people are out there to listen and and sometimes the biggest the biggest thing is about people being out there to listen um i'd like to think one of the things that i've and it's actually helped my leadership style is um one of the things I do every day now is when I'm on site is go around every member of my staff and my team and support services. Don't ask them about work. I just go and check in with them. How are you? Are you okay? Uh, and the other thing is I'm totally transparent. Everyone at work, everyone on my team knows about everything that I've been through. I'm totally upfront about it. And hopefully that gives them, that gives them the confidence that if they were struggling, look, Scott, my manager's been through this. And if I do need some time out or I do need some support, he's there and he's going to understand because it's hard, isn't it? Because a lot of people say we're mental health focused, we're outward focused in terms of if you're struggling and you need support, 
we're we're empathetic we're sensitive to those needs but um sometimes i think human beings need something real in front of them and um dare i say it's it's had a negative effect on me my family uh my work and the people around me but i'd like to think there's some positives to come out of it that this is scott <laughs> this is it it's black black's black and white's white um if you need something come and speak to me um but yeah going back to your i digressed a bit sorry going back to your original there's got to be more funding more levels of support uh and those levels of support will only come with funding i'm afraid i think i completely agree scott i think that um sort of different levels of support depending on what the need is and how severe that 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 need is i think far too often we hear of experiences that people either haven't been helped when when they need it and then that's had horrific consequences or people aren't supported to keep that um that momentum going and i just think i think i'm inspired i'm so inspired by you and i think our, our listeners are going to be inspired and motivated and to 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 do something if, if they're in a similar situation and what I'd love to do is obviously I'm a, a, a huge fan and supporter of Strengths mm -hmm. to Talk if, if other people listening would like to get in contact with the group or to to find out more about Strengths to Talk where can they go to do that? Yeah um, it, uh, we're on, we're on uh, myself I'm on LinkedIn um, Instagram if you just type in Strength to Talk, uh, Twitter at Strength to Talk, um, Facebook at Strength to Talk, and also my personal accounts as well um, at Scott Sivia at Sivia underscore Scott, um, and obviously all the co-authors are linked into that as well. And the group has evolved. More people have obviously followed the group, and people just generally get in get involved, and and text and respond and dm um if someone is struggling we've had those examples and that was the one thing i always set out i i said to helen um two and a half three years ago when i set up strength to talk if it helped one person speak up get better or even saved one life um job done from my perspective but i think we've moved on from that it has evolved i'd i'd like to raise more profile of the book because if we can get the book out there obviously um anything we earn from the book goes back into men's mental health so it's a worthwhile cause um but yeah and i'll always respond i will always respond i can't i, I haven't got the therapy background or the, the the qualification or the certificate but I'd like to think in 11, 12 years, you, you learn a little bit about mental health and about um, managing it and managing it effectively. I think you're going to help a lot more people than just one or two. Um, I think it's incredibly inspiring. Scott, thank you so much for joining us thank and you. for sharing your story. Thanks, Louis. Thanks, Scott. Thank you. The Askell Business Brunch.